This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. It's time for Tuesday Terror here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. You are listening to Audio Drama in a Darker Shade at DarkerProjects.com. And now our feature presentation. Darker Projects presents Tales from the Museum, a miniseries written by Charles Russell, starring Perry Whittle as Keith Nash. It was almost quitting time at the museum. The staff had successfully run three groups of high schoolers through the annual sculpture exhibit and lived to tell about it. I was just about to leave my office when someone started banging on my door. Nash, get downstairs fast. Something is wrong with one of the grad systems. What? Hurry, man. I have to get something out of my office. Stein is the museum's herpetologist, the snake guy. He's one of those small-framed men who never lose their composure. That alone was enough to get me moving. I hit the stairs and ran down to the first floor. There was a group of people at the door to the staff lounge. 
I muscled my way through him and into the lounge. There on the couch lay Harry. He was one of the grad assistants who helped staff this place. He wasn't moving, and his flesh was a sickly pallor. Nash, did you see Dr. Stein? Just now. He was running toward his office. What happened here? We found him passed out in the vestibule. This note was on the floor next to him. He has been injected with snake venom. He dies if you do not meet our demands. Do not alert the police or the hospital. We will contact you. Argus. Let me through. Let me through, I say. Nash, roll his sleeve up. What is that, Doc? This is a broad-spectrum anti-venom. I always keep a couple vials of it in my cooler. Sorry, my boy. I know that hurts. I've never been good at giving shots. Someone really needs to start talking to me. We found him in the lobby with that note. We dragged him in here. That's about where you came in. Well, that clears everything up. Casey? Hello, Regional Museum. Right. Please hold. I'm putting you on the speaker. Who is in charge? Dr. Helene Mancuso. I'm the senior staff person present. To whom am I speaking? My name is Argus. I trust you found the young man. We did. What did you do to him? Your friend has been injected with distilled cobra venom. The red cobra, to be precise. He has at most four hours to live. To his credit, he put up quite a struggle. If that's true about the red cobra venom, he's right. Maybe four hours at the outside. Be assured it is the truth. The only stores of that rather unique anti-venom are in New York City and New Delhi. And the vial I'm holding now. What do you want? We want the Dambala spear. The what? Please, do not insult me. I'm on it. We will make contact with you in one half hour with further instructions. Make no mistake, we are dedicatedly serious in this pursuit. Your friend's life is in the balance. Doc? The red cobra is a very rare species, found only on Madagascar. The venom is a very particularly nasty neurotoxin. The anti-venom that I administrate won't even slow it down. As far as Dambala goes, those who practice Buddha believe that Dambala and Avito-Ido were the two serpents that created the world. Voodoo. He's a world religion student at the university. He's doing a comparative paper on various belief structures. Was voodoo one of the comparisons? I don't know. Found it. Casey laid it on the table. It was a seven-foot-long shaft of dark, stained wood. At one end was a wicked-looking spearhead, complete with a very business-like razor-sharp edge and a wicked-looking jagged edge. Halfway along its length, a metal snake began to wrap itself around the staff. And at the top end, the serpent held a globe in its fangs. The spearhead and the snake were both gold-plated. Is it an artifact? No, Mom. It's a part of the sculpture exhibit. This is a work by Sam Awido of Kenya. It's not entitled Dambala Spear, by the way. It's called Symbolicis. It represents the proud warriors being enslaved and slavery swallowing their world. How do you know that? It's on the display card. So, what we have is a piece of modern art, a poisoned intern, and a mysterious voice on the phone. Can't wait to see what he wants when he calls back.
Argus was true to his word. A half hour later... Dr. Mancuso, do you have the object? We do. Excellent. Bring it to the corner of 10th and Depot Street. We will take possession there. You will come alone. I don't think so. Who speaks? The name's Nash. Keith Nash. I'm the museum's special services coordinator. There's no way Dr. Mancuso is coming alone. Besides, we both know you won't be alone, right? Of course not. Twenty minutes, Doctor. Don't be late. I'll get my gun. There it is. Tenth and Depot Park right here. What a charming neighborhood. The old warehouse district. When I was a cop, we hardly ever patrolled through here. Is that your subtle way of reminding me that we're on our own? Basically. Well, it wasn't reassuring. Just wonder how long we have to wait. Not long. A couple of seconds. How do you know? Because three cars just came around the corner. No headlights, and they're coming this way. (gasps) They knew what they were doing. One car parked in front of us, one behind, the other beside us. We were boxed in. Two men climbed out of the front car and took up clear firing positions. I didn't see any firearms, but I didn't doubt for a second that there were any. My own piece was in my coat pocket. In my rearview mirror, I saw a door open on the rear vehicle. I could see a tall form walking towards us. Nash? Keep your hands where they can see him. You got the spear ready? It's in the back seat. Dr. Mancuso, Mr. Nash, please step out of your vehicle. Now, where is the spear? Argus was a tall man with pale skin. He and the goons were dressed in black clothing. His skeletal fingers were long and bony. In back... Where's the anti-venom? I have it here. Argus motioned to one of his goons. The goon opened my back door and pulled out the spear. He pulled it out of the canvas bag and held it aloft. The golden blade and snake reflected the light from the single street lamp. Excellent. The goon walked over to Argus, dropped to one knee, and presented the spear. A magnificent piece of work. I can feel the power trapped within How I'm begging to be released. I hope the two of you are very happy together. Now give us the anti-venom. Of course. Seize them. Hey! Things happened fast. More goons jumped out of the cars and came at us. One grabbed Helene. Two more started mixing it up with me. I'm holding my own until someone cracks me in the back of the skull with a blackjack. The last thing I remember as a tide of darkness sweeps over me is Argus. (laughs) Laugh.
I have no idea how long I was out. I do know that I came to on a cold cement floor in a dark room. Slowly, I realized that the throbbing in my ears was drums. Nash! Nash, my boy! You're alive! Ow! Not so loud, Doc. Being awake really hurts right now. Wait a minute. What are you doing here? Interesting story. I sent everybody home. I was locked in the front door when two large gentlemen pushed away in. One of them tasered me. He actually used a taser. At any rate, I regained consciousness in this place. They tossed you in here a few minutes ago. What about Harry? I haven't seen him. Dr. Mancuso? Last I saw of her, she was struggling with one of Argus's goons. Hear that? I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome to our lair, the lair of the serpent. Where's Dr. Mancuso? Uh, You will be joining her momentarily. In the meantime, follow me. And if we choose not to? That would be most unfortunate for Dr. Mancuso. So we followed. Argus led us down a long, narrow, and dimly lit corridor. We stopped at a heavy-looking wooden door. We entered a wide, octagonal room. The walls were covered by black drapes. The floor was painted a blood red. The place was lit by a series of candelabras. There were maybe twenty people standing around a central altar. These people were all dressed in hooded black robes that hid their features. I couldn't see what was on the altar. One of Argus's goons walked up behind me and clamped a hand on my shoulder. I could feel the muzzle of something in the small of my back. Listen carefully, both of you. Maxime here is armed. If either of you try to disrupt this service, he will shoot you. With your pistol, Mr. Nash. We get it. Where's Dr. Mancuso? The lovely Helen Mancuso will be joining us very soon. Be patient, Sergeant Nash. Please don't act shocked. I know all about your career as a policeman and as an undercover agent with the narcotics division. I know about the bullet in your leg and the raid that went awry. I know how your lieutenant cashed in a favor to get you the job at the museum. Dr. Stein, I also know about the criminal charges against you in Europe and the Interpol warrants. Interpol? Long story. (laughs) The serpent knows all. Ah, we begin. Argus strolled to the front of the group. Two of the robed figures were walking around the perimeter of the room, lighting the candelabras. A disturbing thought had just come to me. Hey, Doc, about your Interpol situation. Not now, Nash. Did Harry know about it? I may have mentioned it to him. Why? Doc, we've been played. Harry was in on this. What? Think about it. He hooks up with these people working on that paper. They convert him. They want that spear. He can't get it out. They can't break in to steal it. But they can cook up a game where stupid here brings it out to him. How else could Argus have known about us? I bet that Harry's under one of these robes right now. So, what do we do? I don't know. Seekers of knowledge, followers of the path, tonight is truly a milestone for our sect. Tonight we welcome into the body of the serpent our newest acolyte. We also offer sustenance to the serpent. Bring forth the blood sacrifice. To our left, the curtains parted. Helene Mancuso walked out. 
She was between two of Argus's goons. Her eyes looked glazed and her steps were shaky. Drugged, maybe. Bring forth the serpent. Two more of the robed figures entered. Between them, they carried a large wooden box. Helene was laid down on the altar. The box was placed near her. Maxime, behind me, prodded me with the pistol. He stepped closer, right to the edge of the altar. We summon the serpent. He took the lid off the box. He struck the box three times with the side of the spearhead. Then he jumped back. Something was moving in the darkness of the box. Come. Come and feed. A large serpentine head appeared. A huge, rust-colored snake was crawling out of the box. I assumed this was the Red Cobra. Hey, Doc. Yes? In case this doesn't work, nice knowing you. I spun and grabbed Maxime's gun hand. I twisted it to the side and hit him hard on his jaw. The goon staggered back, knocking one of the candelabras against the drapes. He dropped the pistol. The drapes began to smolder, then caught flame. The goon scrambled to his feet and charged at me. I was able to grab him, shift him, and flip him onto the altar between Helene and the cobra. The snake spread its hood and sank its fangs into it. The fire was spreading fast and the people in robes were running towards the two exits. I scooped up my piece and brought it to bear on where Argus had been standing. He was gone. I know. Get over there where Argus was standing. He escaped. See if there's a back way out of here. I ran to the altar and slung Helene over my shoulder. The cobra raised his ugly self off the dying goon. I blew its ugly snake head off. It collapsed into a writhing mass on top of the goon. Ash, over here! Come on, hurry! Argus's escape tunnel led to a storage building next door. We climbed out and made it back to my car before the first fire trucks arrived. It would take the fire department the better part of the night to get the warehouse fire under control. The CSI team would find a human skeleton and what appeared to be the partial skeleton of a large snake. Me? I had the sick feeling that we hadn't seen the last of Argus. Believers, followers of the path, today we have taken into our body that of our newest acolyte. He has passed the test of the venom and has showed his loyalty by turning his back on his past life. Today we have recovered the sacred peace forged by the infidel Awido. Now its strength and its symbol belong to us. However, now our existence is known and enemies have been made, especially one. Our new acolyte informs us that the man named Nash can be very dangerous to us. 
a man to be reckoned with. Our plans are too far along to halt our mission. In one week we will have acolytes in the mayor's office and among the commissioners. This city will belong to us. Our enemies will be removed. But first we will watch these museum people. Then we decide. Hail the serpent! You've been listening to Tales from the Museum, Episode 1, The Cult of Serpents by Charles Russell. Our cast included Perry Whittle as Keith Nash, Amanda Fitzwater as Helen Mancuso, Alistair Stewart as Casey, Captain John Tatterzak as Dr. Stein, and David Ault as Argus. Original music was composed by Joe Stuckey and Kevin McLeod. The series is produced by Ellie Hirschman. Post-production by M.J. Cogburn. Come back soon for more Tales from the Museum. This has been a Darker Projects production. No snakes are harmed in the recording of this episode. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy with Wednesday Wonders. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.